0: Today's reading is by Wendell Berry. It's called Manifesto, The Mad Farmer Liberation Front. Friends, every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord, love the world, work for nothing. Take all that you have and be poor. Love someone who does not deserve it. Denounce the government and embrace the flag. Hope to live in that free republic for which it stands. Give your approval to all you cannot understand. Praise ignorance, for what man has not encountered, he has not destroyed. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant, that you will not live to harvest. Say that the leaves are harvested when they have rotted into the mold. Call that profit. Prophecy such returns. Put your faith in the two inches of humus that will build under the trees every thousand years. Listen to carry on. Put your ear close and hear the faint chattering of the songs that are yet to come. Expect the end of the world. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful though you have considered all the facts. So long as women do not go cheap for power, please women more than men. Ask yourself, will this satisfy a woman satisfied to bear a child? Will this disturb the sleep of a woman near to giving birth? Go with your love to the fields. Lie easy in the shade. Rest your head in her lap. Sweet allegiance to what is nighest in your thoughts. As soon as the generals and the politicos can predict the motions of your mind, lose it. Leave it as assigned to make the false trail the way you didn't go. Be like the fox. Who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction? Practice resurrection.
1: I'm gonna miss you guys. Because here is our world, and as we well know, beautiful and terrible things happen week in and week out. Beautiful things like these flowers, Ava, thank you for giving these this morning in memory of your husband, Roderick, who passed away three years ago today. So I ask us, you and me, to keep our hearts tender and our eyes soft. This is what we're about, you hear me remind us again and again. We, We just know there is no answer but to love each other, and then we bear witness against unnecessary destruction and then we gather here in community we're being religious together in public to practice being the person that the world is asking us to be. And as the choir just sang so wonderfully, we cannot do everything, but we can do something, and that something is never nothing, it just never is. So let us forget our perfect offering here in these, the crucible of the suburbs, right? There is a crack in everything, let us stay together. That is how the light gets in. So several weeks ago when I remembered that the worship theme for March is revolution and grit, and I realized that we would be starting just as I was leaving for sabbatical, I laughed. Um, you going to have a revolution while I'm gone? <laughs> I mean, go for it. It's not my church, it's yours. As I shared at our staff meeting this week, it reminds me of when I was an intern back in 2001 in First Parish in Lincoln, and the senior minister left in the spring for sabbatical, leaving me to learn all on my own. Imagine doing such a thing, Jessica. <laughs> Just imagine. And on my first Sunday back, on his first Sunday back, Uh, I got up on the pulpit and I whispered to everybody, don't tell Roger this is the first time we've been here in five months. (laughs) I think I love you more than any minister can love their congregation. So I want to bring some context to my time away from you. We've heard so much about this and I'm beginning to think, like, just, just go already. <laughs> um, you have told me with an open heart and open encouragement how good it is that I get this time, and it is, though I also know how hard all of you work and how much all of you deserve and need a sabbatical in your life. So it isn't without some old Catholic guilt that still tugs at my spirit even though I've long, long away from the church that I put you into the arms of Heather and Jessica and Sarah and India and Kathleen and, and all of you and the board and everybody. This work of ministry that, it, that it's not mine, it's not a possession. It's, it's yours. This I know, the best ministry happens when I, when we, do not hold on to this ministry for ourselves, but instead we give it away, which is maybe a Bible quote, why Jesus said that in order for us to keep our soul and keep our life, we have to give it away, some context. When I get up onto the balcony of my life, and the setting here is so appropriate for this, and I get up off the, the sanctuary floor of my life, and I get up on the balcony to get some perspective, which we all need to do, right? Even though the fastness and fullness of life wants to keep us on the, on the floor, rushing around. But when I get up there, I acknowledge I, when I wrote this yesterday, I was acknowledging that the last few years of my life have been some of the hardest that I've ever had. Book ended, as you well know, by two personal losses. You've heard me preach and lead from this many times. The loss of my brother, Nick, four years ago this August, actually just right before Nevin, that sermon that I gave to a drug overdose. At 34. And then my dad, just this past August, to cancer. Now, ministry, as, as Jessica and Heather, all of you well know, it makes me no stranger to death and loss. No stranger. My first Sunday here, August 15th, 2003, my first Sunday, I did a memorial service. I am no stranger, but the last few years have made sure that I welcome death and loss into my home, into a guest room that I do not have, open drawers that I do not own, because they have unpacked their bags and they are moving in. Now, the courageous response, the one that our Unitarian Universalist faith invites us To have and encourages us to have, tells us that suffering is a part of life and not a punishment for a way of living, and that death makes life worth living and we ought to make our lives worth dying for. Look, I preach that to be true. I know it to be true. I counsel it to be true. You've heard me, but there is a part of me. Isn't there a part of you that just wants to turn back time to the time before the, the cancer spread to the time before the opiates were prescribed to the time before the depression descended because who knows maybe a difference could have been made maybe a conversation could have been had or maybe I just could have a moment of connection and joy and a moment free of worry it's not for nothing then that I learned this week what revolution means. You knew this was coming. Revolution from the Latin, "revolutio." It means to turn around or turn back. So now, it's not really a political revolution I want right now, it's a personal one where my brother is still alive, he's still sober, he's still thriving as a principal and a dad and a husband, and my dad is still alive and he can breathe a full breath and spend more time out of the hospital than in. And you know, I'm thinking like, I bet there's all kinds of revolutions that you want. A time you want to relive and reclaim and recover before maybe the loss, before the election, before the layoff, before the diagnosis. TNT's gonna sing in a little while, you say you want a revolution by the Beatles. And I'm thinking, don't we all? What do we do with that feeling of wanting to reclaim and renew and start over when we can't in fact go back in time? What do we do? You've already heard Heather mentioned that one of my main projects over this next um, time is going to be working on a book that that our denomination is, is going to publish. It's gonna be an addiction resource for families and individuals. I've talked to many of you who are helping me put this book together. What many of you don't know is how this project came to be. How in the spring before Nick's death, when his use of pain pills increased and his performance at work began to suffer, and the inpatient recovery didn't last, how he would call me on the phone every morning, like clockwork, he'd call me every morning right when I was coming to church. And then I would park like in the third slot out there and I would listen and I'd try to get a word in edgewise. And he would talk and he'd spin out ideas and he'd, he, he just never owned up to what was happening. He, ne- he never let me hold him accountable with love. And then often he'd, he'd hang up on me and then I'd get out of the car and I'd come into church and I'd go past the credenza with all kinds of books and I'd walk past the library in our church with all kinds of books. And I was lonely, and I was worried, and I was frustrated. We didn't have the the Al-Anon meeting here, otherwise I would have gone to it. Thank you to those of you that made that happen here. It's not that I wanted a fix, because friends, there's no fix for that issue, for this issue. I just wanted some company, (laughs) I just wanted some company. So when my parents called me in August of later that year to say, it was the morning we were in England, to say that Nick had died of an accidental overdose of pain medication of opiates, after the shock, after, like, you know how we look up (laughs) when we, when we're just destroyed by something. We look up and then we look down. It's, it's interesting to me. We, we look up for answers and then we look down into our hands. But after I did that, I'm not, even, I'm not even kidding you, after one hour, not even an hour, I knew what I needed to do. This is what a calling feels like. I knew that I needed to use my role, this public role that you gift me with, to bring these kind of issues out into the open. My book, the the title, the working title is Out of the Shadows. I knew that I needed to not be in the shadow anymore because addiction and, and mental health issues love secrets and they love shame and they love shadows. They abhor light. They abhor cracks of light. And I knew I needed to not let that ghost of me, the ghost of me that would get out of the car and walked to my office feeling lonely, I knew I could not have that ghost haunt me anymore. Was a revolution a turning back? Was it possible? Of course not. But is a revolution a a changing, a turn of how You hear your public figures talk about things that happen to them, like losing their younger brother to an opiate overdose. Is that a revolution? A turn away from avoidance and a turn toward acceptance and acknowledgement. A turn away from feeling powerless and a turn toward accountability and voice. And fierce love, that's that's what I think I'm trying to do. You help me to do it. Part of this revolution is writing this book for families like many of yours, like mine, who have this legacy of of addiction that goes from like one generation to the next. The cliche says that the book didn't choose, that I didn't choose the book, that, uh, that it shows me, but a better way is to say that I am writing the thing that I most needed to read. I preach sermons that I most need to hear. And so you, you give me, you gift me this time, but it is not just for me. It's for all of you and all of us who will be helped by anything that comes out of this project. And in this way, as in so many other ways, we, you and I, have and continue to have our sharing of ministry. Do you hear me? And with that, this realization that I've had, how out of the depths of loss and pain and turmoil comes sometimes, sometimes, learning, and opportunity and growth. I hope you learn this here. I hope we learn this together. I I hope we learn how it is that we convert and transform or revolutionize some of the hurt you have in your life or you see in your family or you see in your community or good grief we see in our country Into an opportunity to serve something larger than yourself, it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Doesn't it? That in our lowest times, our most desperate times, our darkest times, our most dead times, that we somehow start to come back to life when we ask how we can turn. There's the word. How we can turn our experience into someone else's redemption. It's amazing. So many religious types get it wrong. Our souls are not meant to be saved at all, but they are meant to be spent. Spent wildly, spent freely, like we had no budget. What a revolution that would be. So, here over these next months, I have a request and an invitation. And it, wow, we're late today. The request I want us to pay attention to what hurts as you look and watch and get up on the balcony of your life. And if you need the impetus, literally go up the stairs. Come here during the week. Get up on the stairs, out into the balcony, and look down at your life and the world. And I want us to pay attention to what hurts. Do not numb it or avoid it or bandage it up in a Netflix stupor. Because the pain is calling to you. It's asking you to do something with it. It's asking you to use your gift of time and talent and presence. Pay attention to that feeling. What is the revolution, the turn? That is, that is waiting for you, to, for it to be sparked. And then here's the invitation, to have this congregation, which is an amazing place. I mean, I know a lot of congregations and I know I work here, I know I'm biased, but, but we're right. <laughs> Use this place as an engine, a resource, a cheerleader, a convener, a spark for these revolutions. Look at all the stuff in the program. And if you don't see what you want to start, talk to people and make it happen. And friends, show up for each other. Worship, as simple as it may sound, is a revolutionary act. Maybe you come for yourself, but I want you to stay for someone else. Worship is an act of generosity. Singing someone else's song, saying someone else's kind of prayer, helping to carry someone else's burden. Generosity like this is absolutely revolutionary. Putting your body where your beliefs are and not just where your Facebook is, is revolutionary being spiritual and religious and being proud of that is revolutionary not giving up on organized religion and look we've worked hard to be organized is revolutionary i know i've been here a long time i've seen it (laughs) and giving giving me giving your ministers you know heather later on time to refresh, renew, to write, to get up on the balcony and to do it with joy and not resentment. I know. I talk to my colleagues. That is revolutionary. So you can have a revolution while I'm gone. And I say, go for it. Go for it. It is your church, not mine. But I will be back.